There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, welcome to My Millennial Property. You're with John Pigeon, and today Emily is missing in action. She is crook. Uh, get well soon, Emily. So it's just John by himself. Um, well, for the moment anyway, I'm going to be joined by Ella, who is a long-time listener, first-time caller of the show. She's been listening and following us for about three years, which is dedication in itself. Um, so welcome, Ella. Hello, how are you going? I am awesome today, thank you. Now... I hear that you reached out to the show or in the Facebook group, I believe, a few weeks ago and you had some queries and reservations about buying your first property. So uh, Glenn put his or my <laughs> hand up and said, uh, John, can you do a clarity call live with uh, with Ella and sort it out for her? Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Okay. Well, I'll do my best. Um, and for those who have booked a clarity call previously, you would know that um, it's roughly about an hour. So we'll cut to the chase and get right into it. All right, Ella, for our listeners, can you give us a brief of your situation and your roadblocks and what you want to achieve out of the call today? Yeah, so I am a 25, uh, 24, will be 25 shortly, a 24-year-old female living in um, Brizzy. Um, I guess I've managed to save roughly 60K in savings towards a house deposit. Awesome. Um, I... I'm on quite a decent income, so I roughly earn uh, 120000 uh, pre-tax. Cool. What do um, you do? The paramedic. So a lot of that income is uh, a lot of overtime and missed meals and things like that. Saving lives. I love it. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I guess I'm kind of – I want to – I'm thinking more going down the investment um path rather than home ownership personally because I'm only 24 don't really know where life's going to hold um kind of take me I guess I just I have no knowledge about investment property um or how to invest in property I don't know anything about doing the research um all of the numbers how to find out you know about rental yields and um you know vacancy rates and things like that and so I guess I just, before I jump in, want to know all the numbers in the background before, you know, putting that massive amount of money that I've saved um, and, and purchasing a property. Yeah, sure. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing all that. And it's a really common situation that you've got yourself in. Mm. First of all, well done on on getting yourself 60K saved up. Um, how long has that taken you? Um, look, 
it, to be honest, most of it's come this year um, because of COVID and I changed um, professions and jobs. I got a massive chunk of my leave paid out. And then um, with this job, I just have the potential to save roughly anywhere between 1800 and two grand a fortnight. So I can just pump money away. So I've probably managed to save about $45,000 in the last year. So wow. most of that's COVID's come, been good to yeah, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's probably where most of the money has is, is come from. Okay, great. But it's all been done off, off your own bat. Yeah, yeah. It's mm, all um, fantastic. Me. Okay, and what's your what's your savings plan going forward? What what's your per month savings at the minute? Um, probably about uh, four grand a month. I can save. Great. Okay, and you feel that's comfortable? Is that is that yeah. something that you set a goal about, or is that just what's left over? That's pretty much just what's left over. I kind of budget. I have like a cash flow plan that I follow every week, um, and pretty much my expenses don't change because I. I already budgeted for them. So that's just the leftover money. Great. Okay. Awesome. So I think um, when we're looking at this, and as I said before, it's just a common situation that people uh, in their 20s are in. It's like, well, okay, I've got some money. Uh, maybe my family aren't into property investing, or if they are, they don't tell me uh, the ins and outs of <laughs> what they've done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or don't feel comfortable. Has, has that been you? you? Have you got a brother or a, a mother or father that's invested? Um, so my brother has just started his property journey. He's actually younger than me too. So he's even um, a better saver than I am. Yeah. Um, and he has just bought off um, like a house and land package. Right. And for him, he is moving into the property for 12 months or so, so he can get all the first homeowner grants. And then oh. I literally had this conversation with him last week. I was like, oh, have you considered all the numbers like um, about vacancy rates in the area um, and all of that sort of thing? And he's like, oh, I'm not too worried about the numbers. I'll... Um, <laughs> um, I'll just live in it if the numbers don't match up. So he, I guess he's more, what's the word, risk, um, he has a higher nice. risk tolerance yeah. Yeah, than what I would have. So I'd rather yeah. know the numbers um, before jumping in and buying a property, whereas he was very much like, oh, you know, I got the COVID grants because he bought last year and yeah. um, is quite happy to live in the property for 12 or so months and if he couldn't rent it out, continue living in it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, each to their own, huh? But yeah. I, I think you you sleep better at night knowing that you've done enough research. Now we yeah. we can't guarantee things when we buy them, but uh, what we can do is eliminate a lot of the the wrong. Um, pathways to take, I suppose, when it comes to property investing. And, and for Sydney and Melbourne folk, you would well and truly know that if you've got a deposit of 60 grand or 80 grand, that's not getting a lot these days. So I think, and I spoke about the live podcast, what's, what's happening now is this shift in uh, people going and rent vesting as a, as opposed to buying their own home to live in as their first invest, uh, first property, just purely on the basis that they can't afford to live in the area they live, um, mm. to, to own a home, and the, but they want to keep that lifestyle. Is that um, why you've resigned yourself to rent vesting? More um, so, yeah. So in the area I live in, I'm roughly 15 minutes from Brisbane CBD. Like um, the townhouse I'm renting um, at the moment is probably more than what I can afford and the rent's quite reasonable. So I think in my area, um, properties are selling for over a million dollars and I, I yeah. personally don't think I could afford that. Um, units are a little bit more yeah. within range. Like I, I could probably afford a unit in the area, um, but, yeah, definitely not um, not a house. So Yeah, okay, cool. And 
What rent are you paying per week at the moment, Ella? Uh, $300 a week. Yeah, okay. So everyone's just sighed with um, amazement there on that figure of $300 a I, week unless I do, you come from the country. I do rent <laughs> I do rent with um, family though. So it's, okay. in total the rent is 600 a week. Okay. Yeah, cool. So that's smart. That's uh, that's halving the rent or in some yeah. cases it's quartered and, and you get to save maximum dollars and, and go and invest sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Okay, great. So, so for listeners, um, I didn't get a rap st- sheet on Ella. Uh, we're basically shooting from the hip here today. <laughs> I'd normally, <laughs> normally have a rap sheet. But in any case, um, I think three things we need to understand when we go to invest. Uh, number one, highest priority is, is your short and long-term goals. What do we want to achieve long-term from a financial wealth perspective? Um, two is our strategy. Um, what what strategy are we going to use first time around? And we know that's going to be different every time and we'll delve deeper into that. Um, and, and three, what is our current knowledge level and what research have we done up until now? So for, for anyone looking at this at the first time as a 24-year-old or a 44-year-old, jumping on realestate.com is your last step. It's not your first step um, because usually that's common is to say, well, gee, the, the mortgage broker said I could borrow 500000 Awesome. Now type in 500000 on realestate.com and, and see where that takes me. Uh, what, what has been your research and action up until now, Ella? Probably that, realestate.com. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of was trying to get a feel for the area, to be honest, and what sort of my price guide could buy and I guess in Queensland there is always like price negotiation or they don't sometimes even put the price of the property or they'll put like offers over 550 for example um so I guess I've been looking around the area and it's more just trying to get a feel for different areas I guess in my profession profession is the good the good thing about it is I can kind of I go to a lot of different suburbs, so I start, I've started to get a bit more of a feel of different suburbs around Brisbane that I personally didn't know much about. Um, but I guess the research, I haven't done enough or haven't done a lot because I actually don't know how to research or what to research okay, um, apart cool. from realestate.com. <laughs> yeah, and, and you type in a figure and say I want a house and I want three bedrooms and, it, yeah. and click OK and, and uh, it comes up with a 1,000 options. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so let's let's delve into our goals first of all, and then we'll talk strategy after that. Um, so, long term goals. Uh, we're twenty four. Mm-hmm. What if we looked out 10, 15, 20 years into the future? Uh, what is what does Ella want to achieve financially? I actually, I just want to be financially um, independent in the sense of like I don't. I want to have enough assets to um, live well um, in retirement. So. Um, and that comes from a bit more of a personal situation. Like my, um, my parents don't own property. They don't own a lot of assets and they're kind of, will be going into retirement, um, maybe struggling a little bit more. Um, whereas for me, I don't want that future for myself. So ideally would like to own, kind of have like a diverse, I guess, basket of assets, like own a bit of property, own some shares, um, have a good, um, lump of super behind me. Um, but also like enjoy life. Like I don't want to be a stinge. I still want to travel. I still want to do lots of things. Um, but just kind of realizing that I can't do everything at once. Um, sure. Okay. 
No, that's awesome. And I think that's a really good point because at the moment, by the sounds of it, you've got a good balance. You're saving four grand a month. You've, you've got a lifestyle that you're pretty happy with in an area that you want to live in. Uh, now, the, the first step on this financial wealth for you, uh, obviously, you're already contributing to super, um, but you want to go and um, buy an investment property. The first thing that springs to mind would be uh, let's make sure that it wipes its own face, meaning that yeah. the the income and the expenses are pretty similar. Um, yeah. You're not buying a property that's got a, a five, six, seven grand shortfall per year. And that's, and that's exactly it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's factoring in things like interest rate rises and vacancy rates and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, awesome. So you're 40 years until the government says you can <laughs> probably retire. So we've got a bit of time up our sleeve here, haven't we? Yes. Um, <laughs> Well, now, when we talk major assets, we talk property, shares, and, and essentially our super, mm-hmm. which is shares, but we'll, call, we'll keep it separate for now. Yep. So which one have you got more of a, an attraction to or you're not fast, you just want to run away from what your maybe parents didn't achieve, I suppose, which is very similar to what, I'm, what I did? Um, I, look, again, I probably want a basket of everything. <laughs> Um, I do have a little share portfolio that doesn't have much in it, um, but that's because I'm more saving towards the house um, goal because I feel like that's probably the hardest one to achieve is the investment property or getting into property because it's such, you need such a decent lump of money to get in. Yes. Um, So that's kind of my first goal. And then I probably, once I've paid off Hex, was thinking more about um, putting some more contributions into super or what I would be paying in Hex a week. Um, just chucking that into super and yeah, just investing any spare cash I had into my little share portfolio was kind of my thinking. Um, yeah, awesome. That's great. And 40 years, you chuckle when I mentioned that, but that's, that's really what we've got ahead of us. So yeah. I, I can say now with confidence that if you put as much importance into the financial side of your life as you're doing now for the next 40 years, um, it's going to be fine for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so we're not ending the call now, but I'm just I, I I say that because a lot of people don't get going until their mid thirties, mid forties, even sometimes mid fifties, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just relying on super. Whereas yeah. you're looking at it as as you said, a basket of I'm going to be at any one time for the next forty years putting my money into one of those three, if not all mm. three, at the same time, which is awesome. Yeah. I think I think it's because I've seen like in my my family for example like we were at a place where we were really well off um and then I've also seen them crash and not being so well off because of some business decisions my dad made. So for okay. me it's kind of just and it's the same for my brother we kind of place a bit more importance on our financial future because we've seen I guess what's going to happen in the future if you don't. Um sure. Or, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, which is, um, which is, wh- whichever way it lands, mm. it's it's a good thing to motivate you going forward, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. All right, so let's look back to the, I suppose, the next three to five years. If in in five years' time you're twenty nine, or let's call it thirty. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what um what do we want? Is it one investment property and an, a, a share portfolio and some super? Is it a couple of properties and, and just some drip feed into into shares? What may it look like? Um, 
oh, look, I don't really know where I'm going to be in five years, to be honest. (laughs) But I guess for me, probably I'd be happy with like ownership of one property. Um, I do want to do some travel to Europe at some point. So for me, I think a reasonable goal to be would be to have one property and maybe drip feed some money into like a share portfolio. Maybe after that point, when I've sort of turned 30, I may have a partner. I may be looking at more kids at that, at that stage. I'd really don't know. Um, so I think being a bit more conservative, maybe just the one property. Yep. Okay, cool. So if we get this one right, Mm-hmm. And and then just go back to uh, drip feeding shares and contributing to super. If, in five years' time, you can you can sit back around Christmas time and say, "Yeah, I'm really happy with with the financial aspect of my life." Yep. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Um, so the reason I ask that is because uh, a lot of people speak to me and say, "Well, I want two properties in five years or three properties in five years." So that mm-hmm. really determines what the strategy is going to be. Uh, at the outset for that first property. Yep. For, but for now, we're saying one in five, we're going to get that purchase done in the next 12 months or so. Um, so we, we've got, we it almost takes the pressure off um, after that period is to go back to the drawing board and build the savings up back a, again to, to diversify into other assets. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the back of that, uh, the, the key question is for rent investors, when are we going to or, or uh, wanting to buy our own home to live in? I guess um, for me, uh, I was looking what, into bu- in case of buying my own home. When am I thinking of doing that? Or Yeah, because the traditional rent path is, right, I want to build a portfolio up and then I'll wheel back around and, and sell down on one or two of them or I've got some cash up my sleeve to, to buy my own home to live in and keep my portfolio. Um, so at some stage in, in your life, you may want to have a home to live in. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I would definitely like to own my own home that I live in. Um, okay. I'm not sure to be honest. And again, this comes down to, I guess, being 24 and not really knowing what I'm doing with my life. Um, <laughs> That's all right. But- <laughs> and, and I didn't know at 24 yeah. either. I just yeah knew, knew I wanted to run some, run a business and take on the world in property, but I that, yeah. how that looked and shaped, I, I didn't know. But without setting your goals for you, yeah. I might say, right, in this 12-month period, we buy an investment property and then continue our savings plan yep. and have keep ourselves really cash heavy for the mm. next four years so that if we want to buy our own home in that area, uh, in that time frame, or, and we meet a partner and we want to settle down together, yeah. we're not reliant on them to... Yep buy our home together. Uh, yep. I've I've contributed to this and whether that be in shares to, to keep it fluid or liquid, that's mm-hmm. fine as well as opposed to just keeping it in a bank account. But staying cash heavy would be my recommendation through that four-year period. Yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, because I, I, I don't have a date. Like I know some people are really big on timelines, whereas I'm like I don't really know where I'd, when I'd want to own my own property. Um, yeah. At some point, definitely. Um, probably I would say in my 30s or at least have purchased a home to live in in my 30s, potentially around yeah. have, when I have kids. But sure. um, if I have kids, but I, yeah. yeah, I don't know what that kind of looks like or I don't have a, I guess, a time limit on that. So. That's fine. Yeah, I'd just say from from now on, just keep one eye on the longer prize. Yeah, okay. And and one eye on the now. Yeah. Uh, and then we're not losing sight, and it doesn't come creep up on us. And it's like, oh, hang on, I haven't got any money, but now I want to buy a house to live in. So, yeah, yeah. like, looking at your numbers, not sure how much more you want to to be able to have savings to go and buy that property, but 
Um, if it's it's the next twelve months, we dedicate to contributing to our property. That'll give us uh, an extra four, basically fifty grand. So that'll make it one hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. Um, that may include some buffers in your life as well. So that'll round it out to maybe a hundred, and then the next three to four years after that, if we're saving the same amount as a minimum, right, we're going to have the best part of 200K in cash either invested in shares or just put into our bank account. And that may be your deposit for your own home. And if it's not, if you're not ready, then you can go and invest in another major asset. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah, that... um. Yeah, sounds really good. Okay, awesome. All right, we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk strategy. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right. So first part of this, we, we talked about the boring old goals and, and uh, what's short term, what long term, and, and just realizing the importance of what's that next step before we make this initial step. And, and a lot of people discount that. And by the sounds of it, your brother, um, <laughs> I have done that, <laughs> but that's okay. He's uh, lived by the sword, died by the sword, and it, and it may work out okay for him. But <laughs> when, we're, when you're reaching out, wanting to be more strategic around your investing, they're the, the, the real key parts to this is understanding what you want in your life because you can't cookie cutter someone else's approach because everyone's different okay so let's talk about strategy we want to know the answers to eight key areas right and um grab a pen if you if you're writing if you're listening or driving pull over or um flying that might be hard but we want to know strategy um, so overall, we're saying the, the overall strategy is it uh, buy for capital growth, buy for cash flow, buy for tax benefits, or buy for all three of those with a mixture of all of that. So if I asked you which one is that for you, what would it be, Ella? A mixture of all three. A mixture of all three? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> um, Again, for the listeners, we don't want to go and buy just purely for tax benefits. Our accountant said we need to reduce our tax. We don't want that as a number one focus, but it might be a higher priority based on your income levels. Yeah. 
So the answer to that uh, then determines, well, maybe what that next answer is, and that's the class of property. Are we buying blue chip? Are we buying a long-term buy and hold, which is a sort of a B-class property in, in mum and dad suburbs, or are we buying a C-class property, which is more of a, a reno flip, add some value, create some cash, and then propel us into that next purchase, uh, which is more outer suburbs, cheaper property. Don't need to answer this, but just think about what that might be. Um, from the outset, I can see your situation. To go and buy in a blue chip suburb might not be possible now because of price point, uh, but ideally we want to end up with blue chip assets in our portfolio, don't we? I, yeah, I um, I guess probably a bit, I, I don't know if I could be bothered to do a bit of a massive reno um, just because I'm quite time poor. So I'd probably sure. be B category, I would say. A, yeah. if I could afford it, but yeah, probably more a B, B yeah, category. Cool. Yeah, excellent. Um, um, price point, if I said to you that that's the third one, by the way, if we said price, mm. uh, what price scares you? What, what price would keep you up at night? Oh, well, I was actually thinking about this before um, doing this episode, like because I kind of had an idea of a price between sort of five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand. Um, but if it was um, kind of paying for itself, I would consider going higher. Um, if it okay. was kind of a um, property that was pretty much I didn't have to put any cash into it, and it just you know, the rent paid for itself essentially, um, I would consider going higher. Good answer. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah, if we can get our head around the running costs of that property when we're not contributing to it or or don't have to, then the sky could potentially be the limit. But there is that tipping point where it might be around seven to eight hundred K where properties don't no longer look after themselves because the yields are are, are a little bit lower. Um, so yeah, 500 to 600 K might be it, uh, type of property, house, unit, townhouse, um, block of land, mini developments, where, where is your head at in respect to that? And this is where I don't, I really am not sure. Um, cause I kind of look, ideally I would love a house just because, um, the land value tends to go up, um, and I, the depreciation costs probably aren't as heavy as units. There seems to be more growth with um, house and land versus, I, I guess, units. Um, and then you also often have to pay body corp. However, if I could find like a unit in an area that it was maybe maybe closer to the city, um, that there wasn't an oversupply, potentially didn't have a massive body corp, I probably would consider it. But sure. again, I just don't, I, I'm really not sure, to be honest. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a fair assessment to say that, that land appreciates and the building depreciates. So uh, that means do we go and buy two acres worth of land um, in the middle of nowhere? No, absolutely not. Uh, but do we buy a five, 600 square metre block with a, with a three-bedroom house on it as opposed to a, a one-bedroom a unit um, mm. right in the city centre that's 
uh, part of a complex of 180, yeah. right? That that's I suppose what you're comparing to. So all I'd say on the unit space is if you're going there, just uh, make sure it's got something that's a little bit more unique. So mm. large two beds or three beds are, are much more appealing than a one bed, and and much more entertaining for people to rent and for people to or for valuers to come in and look at it. Um, I'd also have low. Uh, numbers in the complex as well. So a unit of a unit complex of four or eight or twelve would be ideal. Mm. Um, and yep. and there's three ways you can make money in property: add some value, uh, buy at discount, and get some capital growth. Right now, the last one is the the least in our control, isn't it? We can't control how much growth we get in an area, and there's so many indicators um, are focused on that and vary that outcome. But we can look at the first two and say, well, if we buy an old house or unit um, that's 1980s, 1990s, we can add some cosmetic improvements to it that's going mm. to improve the value of that property. Can we buy at a discount in a heated market? No, but we can avoid paying too much for it in this type of climate as well. Yeah. So just factoring in those three points. Yeah. Now, uh, Loan to value ratio is another one, knowing if you're going at 90 or 80%, were you wanting to save 20% or just um, go in as soon as the banks could lend you money? Look, I'm not too fast. Um, initially, I wanted 20%, but I think I would be happy with a 10% deposit, just sort of after listening to all the podcasts and things. Um, I think uh, I could do 10% and particularly there's a lot of um, – I, I don't know all of the different um, – LMI schemes they've got at the moment, but I'd probably be happy with 10%, which I'm probably at more or less yeah. by now. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Look, you've got stamp duty on top of your 10%, obviously, yep. but yeah, if you said, right, uh, 400K purchase, 40 grand deposit plus stamps, you, you're in for 60. So if you can get it up to probably 80,000, that yeah. would be ideal. That can bring you in at uh, maybe a 550 purchase plus stamps, yeah. You, you that cool. gives you a, a few more options, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so that would incur lender's mortgage insurance. Generally, that's capitalised into your loan, um, but it's an income-producing asset, so mm-hmm. all the running costs are generally tax-deductible, but speak to your accountant about that. Uh, buying entity, because it's only you, I guess it's going to be your name as the title holder. Mm-hmm. That's the next point to consider. If you're looking at something more strategic and maybe it's a short-term play and turn it around in 12 months, two years, et cetera, then you might be uh, looking at other options like a a company or unit trust or something Mm. like that. Um, And then the last two are location and yield. Now, location is probably the biggest uh, or the people put the most importance on, but I actually put the most importance on everything we've spoken up until now in terms of your goals and parts of the strategy that need tying together to come to a particular location. Because I think generally speaking, and we do our research around the top 30 cities around the country, if you bought in any one of those top 30 and simply held it and it was a good asset that was right for you and you didn't have to, you weren't forced to sell it and and the, the historics were that it went up over time consistently, then if you held that until you were 65, 40-odd years' time, um, the odds are it's going to work out pretty good for you, right? Yeah, yeah. And that would be ideally like if I could hold the property for um, – if I could hold the property or and then own a own my own home 
so that it, if I could eventually almost even pay it off or it could just be a part of like my um, wealth creation, I guess, portfolio um, yeah. and just yeah. something I take with me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. And pass on to the to the kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just um, and, and I'll talk a little bit about location, but the yield is the other very important point to this. And if you are building a portfolio, you need to factor in that because servicing gets reduced the more properties you buy. Um, but knowing what yield is going to, as I said before, wipe its face. And in today's markets, probably 4% is a good figure. If we're putting down a 10% cash deposit, uh, understand your running costs, of course, before tax and after tax, but generally 4% gross yield should uh, should cover its costs definitely after tax anyway, but it depends on your um, tax rate. But uh, I think that's a pretty good starting point based on the interest rates as at today. Uh, but we are factoring in a, a two or three weeks of vacancy a year. Yeah. Even if you put in interest rates at 4%, 5%, see how that looks. And, and worst case, is that manageable on your salary at the moment? We know we're saving four grand a month, so we don't want to eat into much of that at all because interest rates have risen. But it's a fact of life that's out of our control that it may happen. Hopefully, the rents have increased by that time. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. So then, location, we're simply we've moulded basically, and and a, and as said, a speed date um, strategy. <laughs> but we've moulded seven of those points. We've now got location as the last, yeah. and that's been strategic by me because it's like, okay, we've got answers to those, and and obviously we'd thrash them out in more detail to to yeah. get a full understanding. But the once we've got those seven parts, mm. we then define the locations that we're looking in based on the strategy that we've set with those other seven parts of that strategy. Does that make sense? Yeah, yep. And I guess, I, like you were saying, most people probably look at location first rather than, I guess, Correct. doing all the numbers, which is, pro- yeah, which is what I've been doing, really. Um, yeah. So notice we haven't actually even talked about where do we go and research? Where do we, yeah. where do we go and find anything, right? Yeah. And we're... 30 minutes into a conversation <laughs> now. <laughs> um, again, strategic because let's focus on our own backyard first before we actually turn the computer on or, or go for a drive. Mm. So that that's really important and I stress that because, yeah, if we do it the other way around, what tends to happen is we just end up going around in circles and yeah. we start to question and doubt ourselves and our next step and, and then by the time we get to even put in an offer, it's like, do I even know what I'm doing here? Yeah. Um, which you may have experienced already and you're not even in a position to buy yet or, or you are but you've, you're still um, saving money and creating buffers, et cetera. Mm. So yeah. let's, um, yeah, any, any, any questions around any of that strategy or, or goals or your own situation? No, not at all. I guess the other thing too is I, I would consider is if it worked out better to live in the property for 12 months and then move out as a rental or and I would consider that option but it would have to be again in a location that I could easily get to work. Yes. Um so again and then I would feel like I'm probably putting too much emotion into it rather than putting the numbers in because it would come under oh well am I happy to live there for 12 months sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. Um 
So I'm kind of maybe leaning towards having that seg- segregation of being like, no, this is purely an investment property so that I don't get too much like emotion attached with the property. Yeah, that's a fair call. And everyone's got a different personality, haven't they? So mm. if you said to yourself, right, I'm going to give up 12 months of my lifestyle <laughs> to not live in the suburb that I'm currently living in to save 20 grand in stamp duty or whatever it may be, um, is that worth it? Now, we're going to be paying rent anyway. So $300 a week, 15 grand a year. Uh, what's the repayments on my mortgage? Because I'm responsible for that for that 12 month year. Yeah. Um, so do the numbers and say, well, it's probably not going to be 20 grand net savings. It might mm. be 15 or 12 or 13, something like that. Yeah. Is it worth that? Or do I just keep the emotion out of it, as you said? Yeah. Because my personality type is, hang on a minute. I don't want to live down here. Like, I don't want to live in this house or unit, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, I'm, my, my lifestyle's ruined. So, yeah. yeah, understand your personality and that's a big part of uh, risk profile and personality mm. can determine our strategy sometimes. But, yeah, keep it in the mix and look at areas that you could live in for work purposes and not have to commute four hours a day mm. um, and if it does hit the sweet spot like it has done for your brother – um, it's you've you've got the government benefits and you're also happy to live in it. Mm. Then great, it is only for a twelve month period. Yeah, exactly. So let's finish off with some research areas and and where can we go to to get some some data basically. So I think getting the goals established, um, going into more detail around our eight point strategy is really critical. So now you can when you go to research, you actually know what you're researching for. Right, you know the suburbs that you might have shortlisted, so you can go to the likes of SQM Research and find vacancy rates. You can see what that's been trending like for the last ten years. Ideally, you want to see it under two yep. percent. If it's sitting at four or five percent through COVID, that's probably a concern. There may have been an oversupply, or it's a bit of a volatile type of market to be in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and generally speaking, there's a lot more demand than there is supply. So again, if vacancy rates are high now, that is a concern. Yeah, okay. Um, realestate.com and Domain are obviously your free sites for, for finding property, but in there they've also got market trends. So you can see for the last 10 years what the median house prices and unit prices have been. Yeah. And if you're looking at a unit, you can see, well, it's been trending at about 3% a year, for the last 10 years, whereas houses have been 8%. Okay, so you make an assessment on that. You can go to uh, like the ATO or, or the um, all the census data to, to basically look at, um, not the ATO, sorry, the um, Australian Bureau of Statistics. So that census is just being completed. So next year you'll have a new set of data that's up to date as of 2021, which is awesome. Um, you've got a, a company called Microburbs, which basically extracts all the uh, census data results and puts it into a suburb. So you can type in a postcode anywhere around the country and it spits out the, the census data right in front of you, which is pretty awesome. So That's it does awesome, fast yeah. track. Yeah, because, you know, if you've been onto the census data and looked at the demographics and geographics and all of that on that yeah. site, it's pretty clunky, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. So, yeah, looking at somewhere like Microburbs to do that. Um, and then 
once we get down to maybe two, three, four locations or suburbs, you can then talk to local council. Um, mm. You can talk to real estate agents, right? Real estate agents are actually your friend through this period, not your foe, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think a, a lot of people treat them as, oh, I don't want to tell them anything because they'll just stalk me and ring me and bother yeah. me, right? Well, let that happen for three months of your life and then you can go back to normal. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> So I don't have any problems going to an open home and telling the the real estate agent my strategy. Yeah. I guess then the other thing too with going to open homes is in my concern is like because I do so much shift work and because I do so many, um, I work a lot of weekends or I work part, part of weekends, I think that's going to be a struggle when it comes to the time of potentially buying and building a lot of those relationships. Um, cool. So I think I might have to even consider like I would consider potentially a buyer's agent in that sense just because I, I don't know I might be quite time poor um, yep. and it's harder for me to get to open homes to get the weekends off to go and do the do the research. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think like I prefer everyone to go and find their own property yeah. right? and, and we run a buyer's agent service. So that sounds a bit weird but I think what you do – by by doing the research yourself and getting your hands dirty is yeah. you learn and grow from that so that oh, you can do it yeah. 10 times over and then you can teach your kids. It's the best thing you can yeah. give them. Um, but I, I suppose two things come into play there, if not three. One is how much time have you got in your hands? If you haven't got enough time to dedicate, then you, you may be better outsourcing it. Uh, your knowledge. So if you've done all what we're talking about today and, and defined your strategy and you, you know – uh, what you're doing in respect to putting in offers and dealing with agents, then yep. again, you, you're good to go. If yep. you if you feel as it's all still a bit cloudy, then yeah, outsourcing may be an option. And and then the last one would be obviously budget. Have you factored in the cost of a buyer's agent um, as opposed to doing it yourself, which is basically just sweat equity and yeah, your, your time that you've got or haven't got. And look, I ideally would like to do most of it myself if I can, because it, like you said, it's a learning experience. And, you know, if I, you know, you know, I, it, I change and decide I, I want more property, at least I've done the, I've gone through the, you know, the sweat and tears. So I have an understanding of the process versus maybe if yeah. I went through a buyer's agent and maybe didn't have that knowledge quite as much. Yeah, so. totally. Absolutely. Um yeah, so obviously wary of time, we, we do mm. need to sort of round it up in a moment. But if you if for anyone listening, if you if you want some paid subscriptions to really sink your teeth into this stuff, then then something like RP Data Core Logic is is handy, and you may be able to get a a month or two month subscription for that, or, or pay per suburb report, etc. Uh, and another one that we use is Archistar, which Again, draws from from council uh, to be able to look at flood zones, heritage uh, listed properties, uh, bushfire zones, uh, can it be developed, all those sort of things, height height restrictions from the council uh, and it's a really effective tool to to give you peace of mind um, as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I just, yeah, I didn't know that any of this data, where, where to even start finding the data, so that's that's great. Yeah, and there's a lot of wind out there on online, isn't there? So you can become overwhelmed for no real reason, 
But at the end of the day, 90% of what we've spoken about today is, is actually about you. It's about your strategy, your goals, and what you want out of it. Mm. And then the final 10% is, right, this is what I'm going to buy. This is where I'm going to look for it. And away I go. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. Any questions, final comments, Ella? Um, I guess when should I start thinking about engaging a mortgage broker? Yeah, so I would actually have a conversation with them now just okay. to, to yep. look at your situation and say, right, how much can I borrow on, on my income? Because that might mm. probably not change in the next 12 months. So that's a pretty good guide already. Yep. And they'll be able to tell you, right, you've got enough to buy X amount of property now. Yep. In six months' time, this is how much you can buy because you've you've increased your deposit by 24 grand based yep. on your assessment and you can reverse engineer it from there. So definitely start that conversation now um, as well as if you, yeah, uh, your accountant in your situation is not imperative but just to, to round off to making sure you you got things under control there yeah. and, and then having a conveyancer ready to go as well. Yeah, okay, awesome. Mm. How is that? Is that giving you a little bit more to think about? Yeah, so much. I'm probably going to re-listen to this episode like three or four times and just like take notes. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. No worries. Well, um, yeah, apologies. It's been a little bit longer than our norm, but, you know, I get on a run when Emily's <laughs> not here. I go wild and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the way it is. But, um, yeah, thanks for reaching out, Ella. Um, yeah, it's been really good. Hopefully, if you've taken one or two things away from that to, to make a better decision, then we've had a win, haven't we? Yeah, thank you so much. I've, yeah, so many pearls of wisdom that I will definitely will take away and uh, research. <laughs> mm, cool, no worries. All right, as always, thanks for tuning in and uh, look forward to chatting to you again soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created The Buying Coach built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.